Hello everyone, this is Gabe Gottesman from 88.9 The Bridge with Principal Kelly's Corner, the weekly show with conversation and updates from the principal of Mercer Island High School, Mr. Walter Kelly. This week with the Omicron variant of COVID-19 spiking all across the country, including the MI community, I will be asking Principal Kelly the top questions from the student body and parents on how the school is handling this current spike and just kind of the gauge of how the district is feeling at the moment. Every class, every discussion in the hallways, at lunch, group chats between students, everything has had some sort of discussion on COVID right now with the current spike. So I think this is a great time. I'm, I'm kind of thinking about it as like a, a tell-all for, for COVID <laughs> in a way. So Principal Kelly, I'll start by mentioning you sent out a letter this afternoon, around noon, on Schoology and on the school website that's answered uh, a lot of the major questions students, parents, teachers are having. So everyone should go read that over but this is also a great opportunity to kind of extend those and dive a little more in depth. So let's get started. I think we talked about this a little bit. I wanted to start by saying we both want to make it clear that there's people who are working so hard to help during this time, nurses, faculty, the students, the teachers, everyone's kind of working together. So I think it's important to appreciate and also what's the, the goal right now, the mindset that the administration has. Well, first, I really appreciate you calling out some of our staff and our students as well. Uh, we are dealing with a significant challenge right now with the surge and specifically the most likely the Omicron variant of COVID. And uh, just start, let's start with some facts. Uh, we're dealing with over 100 student cases uh, that are quarantined right now. Uh, that is following a break in which people traveled around. They spent time with family and other social groups and they're returning back to school. Uh, the other thing that I want to share, and this is critical in moving forward, while we're dealing with the surge, what we're not dealing with is cross contagion within our school in our regular classes. So that's going to, I'm going to come back to that in a minute, but that that's going to be a critical part that we keep that spread outside of our school so that we can keep school running. But a great shout out with all those students out and some of our teachers that are also already streaming uh, effort for teachers to make sure that it works for in class in those streaming, our nursing, uh, nurses and health staff have been working literally till 10 o'clock every night. I just cannot say enough good things about them keeping us safe. Was working last night with the uh, superintendent, deputy superintendent, make sure messaging was accurate across the board. Everybody's wanting to do the right thing and willing to do whatever it is to keep our school together and going. And so, I mean, that's the big hope uh, right. that we have that going for us. And one quick thing I know a lot of people are curious about, when you say there's been no cases um, that have been transmitted within the school, does that mean it's not like, oh, this one English class, six period, has 10 cases? It's more that we know there's independent cases that aren't being traced within classes or at lunch, so that means that nothing's really been really transmitted through the school. That's a good way to put it. So, yes, we know that there are outbreaks within student groups here. We, we're 100% aware of that. But when we do contact tracing, at this point in time, None of the sources of those contagion have been through regular classes here at school and running, you know, what is the typical school day. Uh, obviously, we're watching that carefully uh, because, you know, our priorities are this. First, we believe that in-person learning is inherently superior to remote learning for at least the great majority of our students and teachers. Therefore, we want to make sure that we continue that if at all possible. Our number one priority is to keep that safe and operating. Our number two priority is then to make sure that students within performances and athletics are able to continue, if at all possible. And three, then we look at fan attendance and 
worry about that after those first couple of things. And we look at those extracurricular events and, and you know, dances and things like that after that. So priority one is keeping in-person learning going as long as we can keep that safe. And then two, make sure that um, arts, academics, and athletic performances, that those can still go on safely. One thing that is kind of making people confused, I think, more than anything, is just the protocol when someone tests positive or someone feels sick. So I think the best way to do this is give a few common scenarios, and then you give your best answer as how the, the school, nurses, people are handling it. First, the most simple thing, in my opinion, someone takes an at-home test feeling sick and they test positive. What, what should they do at the, in that point? They should contact our attendance office or our nurse. We'll have somebody from health services reach out to them. What tends to happen as soon as we have a confirmed case of COVID, uh, the health services department notifies our administration and we notify the teachers of that person that they're quarantined and they're eligible for quarantine services. It's typically taking, we got it down to about a day right now. Can't promise that stays exactly there. But yeah, process from the time we know somebody has COVID, they're quarantined immediately. And usually within about a day, we're able to get things streaming for that student. Uh, one thing that you mentioned in your letter this Friday afternoon is you said, please do not come to school if you feel sick. But what if someone is at school and then starts to feel sick? Oh, yeah, Go to question. the nurse, obviously, is the first priority. But then if they test positive, then how do you handle the previous classes they were in? Great question. So um, if a student is feeling ill, concerned that they have had if they have symptoms for COVID, they can come to the nurse's office to be tested. Uh, when they come in, uh, they'll be sitting socially distanced six feet apart. Uh, they will get a test as soon as we can give that to them. It takes about 15 to 20 minutes. That student remains you know, socially distanced uh, for that time period. If the test comes back negative, we, they head back to class, right. move on with your day. If it comes back positive, that student is then kept in isolation until they can leave school. And then we begin quarantine services as soon as we can for that student until they're well and can return. Next up, someone has a family member. I know a few people that have this that are positive, maybe multiple, maybe friends, but they've tested negative maybe multiple times. Mm -hmm. Then they're good to go. Yes. And also they are welcome to keep checking with our nurse for regular testing. Because as you know, uh, it can be a few days before somebody shows up positive for that. And certainly if there are multiple cases in, the, in a family, which our nurses are dealing with, uh, they're watching those cases really carefully, and, uh, and and the nurse will be the one to make the decision of when and where, when that person or if they'd be quarantined. And finally, one thing I know that the district and yourself are really aware of through that the letter is finals are coming up, and this is a stressful <laughs> time with even without this this surge. And this scenario hopefully will never be an issue. But if someone, how do you convince someone that feels sick, or maybe even at worst case tested positive, but is reluctant to report it because of they're going to be missing school and tests and they're missing 10 days, um, and especially now with the semester finals coming. I don't think that performance is ever worth people's well-being and health. Um, start with that. I think that our job is to take care of ourselves and our community together. Uh, I think we have an ethical obligation to make sure that if we are ill and have a risk of, of harming somebody else through spread of a disease, that we isolate. We take care of that. Uh, our job is to make sure that we remove as many disincentives for being honest and staying home when you need to. Right. And so one of the things that we are doing is we're extending the grading deadline for the semester. For, uh, and, and so for any student who's been quarantined for the month of January leading into finals, if they need an extra week of time to get that done, that can be worked out through the teachers and we're setting up that system for that. And if it's more serious than that, we'll work with an incomplete with that student to make sure they get it resolved 
and are able to take time to get their work done well and correctly. Uh, we want to make sure that anything that can be done to alleviate that pressure point, we do that. The other is, you know, you have a, a component where if somebody just is really concerned that they're sick, they're always, you can always take an excused absence for being ill, even if it's not COVID. That, you know, that happened before COVID, it's, it continues. So you also have that possibility when you need to make that call, even when you're on quarantine. And, you know, if you need a day or two to just make sure that things are okay or to get tests back. All right. So I'm going to flip that one on its head. So that <laughs> someone that is positive but wants to go, there is a big mental health question now uh, with people who feel maybe at danger or just a little uneasy um, because of this uh, this spike with the Omicron variant. They don't really feel safe maybe at school. Uh, maybe it's a, a family issue. The family doesn't necessarily feel safe at school, even if they're not positive. How is the school handling that mental health aspect? And then if someone deals with anxiety or ADD, they can get a, a medical exemption maybe to get extra time on tests and stuff. Is, could there possibly be something like that in the future where we see someone say, I've a medical professional said that because of maybe the anxiety I'm dealing with, I, I, I'm okay not going to school? Well, there's already a system for that, Gabe. So okay. uh, certainly through a student who is dealing with significant uh, anxiety and or diagnostic uh, mental health issues that they're working with, mental illness, uh, those are things for which students already probably have a personal plan right. uh, and have already determined whether they need extra time when they're experiencing that. So for the most part, in bulk, we've dealt with that for many, many years. I think you bring up a point, though, which is maybe somebody's dealing with those symptoms for the first time during that time. So let's start with the ground to take care of yourself before you worry about the performance first. Uh, so, you know, take time, reach out. Uh, there are for a student who is just worried, what we want to do is assure them that the facts are here, which, yes, there is there is uh, Omicron COVID going around right now, but school is a safe place. And then the second part would be if somebody is really to the point where they're feeling debilitated by that fear, that anxiety, reach out to an associate principal, reach out to a counselor, I mean, reach out to me, uh, reach out. We'll make sure that we have a plan. Either if you need to miss some days of school, you can make that work up. Or if it's um, um, more significant, we would consult with our nurses on that. One thing that I know is another issue is besides just the students that are testing positive, you said it's over 100 cases. There's also teachers, which there's, there's less teachers. And this, obviously, the student-to-teacher ratio, one teacher means possibly up to over 30 students in a classroom that would need a substitute. The problem is sometimes substitutes aren't always available what is this emergency staffing plan where teachers could possibly be at home if they're asymptomatic teaching the class virtually? That's something that is mentioned in the FAQ in your letter. Um, what is the protocol for, for teachers who test positive and what's the strategy for that? First, if a teacher is sick, they can't teach because they feel bad, whether it's COVID or not, they're going to take sick days right. and we have to try to provide a sub. Uh, that sub for that case has to be, a, has to be certified. We are at a shortage here. We are a shortage in this area, this region, the country for subs right now. So that's a real challenge. And what's happening is we have teachers filling in for one another. We have administration going in and covering classes. We're doing everything we can to cover when a teacher is sick and cannot teach that class. But the unique circumstance here, especially it seems with Omicron, is a lot of times where people really feel well enough to teach or to work, but they can't be around other people. So we do have teachers that if they're if they can work but they're isolated or quarantined they can stream in and they can stream into your class 
just like you could stream into theirs. Um, and what we're working with PTSA right now about is to try to recruit community members who would like to register and be hired as classified subs so that they can go into that room, help with technology. And, and start the Zoom pretty yeah, much. Yeah, and make sure that everything's operating well for the class right. and, and monitoring the class. They don't have to be certified. We just have to make sure that they passed background check and uh, we provided the, the training. So that letter is going out in the next, I mean, if it hasn't already, in the next couple of days from PTSA, uh, by the time the show may air on Monday, it should have gone out. Uh, we already have training scheduled, and we're seeing if we can use the strength of our community to bolster that if that happens. Something that was, I would say, one of the bigger issues last year, just handling how lunch works. We had packed lunches from the cafeteria that we bring into our cars. We had socially distancing um, at the lunch tables. And now as the virus kind of winded down a little bit in the later months of, of 2021, now with this current spike, the tables have now been reduced from you can have eight to 10 people at a table to now just six. How is uh, the school handling lunch? And maybe could we see in the future even more protocols to prevent the spread of the virus at the lunch table when people aren't wearing masks? One is we're following all the guidance and protocol provided. We do have our circulation on maximum with the, was it H13 or the 13 level, the, the recommended level of filtration for air. So there is a level of protection there that is significant. Uh, it does concern me when students are unmasked and around each other for more than you know a few seconds and for a lunch period. So we're being really careful about enforcing, making sure that when people are eating indoors, that they're following the guidance of, you know, in this case, six to a table, which has some adequate spacing, uh, that they're not just hanging out at each other's tables, uh, and that when they're done eating, they put their mask back on. But there are a few things you can do to help uh, when the weather is bad. You are welcome to go. If you want to go eat in your car, we'll let you do it. Right. Uh, make sure that you're not uh, creating a risk for somebody else. Make sure that you're from the same household by yourself. If you can eat outside, great. Um, hopefully we'll have a little better weather, but you know, rain in January here is a challenge. Uh, we also have chairs that we have available in the hallway that goes from the main entrance down to the bed. Also that main hallway, if somebody wants to take a chair and spread out there. We're also allowing just uh, not a full meal, but where you have a snack and a small drink. If you wanted to go into the library, as long as you're not leaving your mask off, you're simply removing, take a bite, you can do that. So we're trying to spread people out as much as possible and and enforce that. And I really appreciate the help of our student body just being uh, attentive and understanding the reasoning behind that. So you mentioned, and I know Superintendent Kowalski mentioned, that being at school is the main priority. But there's this dreaded world that I think is kind of like now a new word that no one wants to speak of, which is Zoom and virtual online classes. I know we this, we talked about this at uh, the superintendent student advisory meeting a little bit, but what would be the the threshold? And I know there is not no technical threshold. What would m be a possible factor that would make us go into virtual learning, even if it was just for a week? I, I think the two factors. I think you're hitting first. You're hitting one key point, which is from what we're seeing right now. This surge, if we look at other areas of the world that have had this Omicron surge, the timeline is fairly short. It's not what we were looking at a year ago where we were like, we could be doing this all year or for months. So my hope and what we're seeing is any change we had to make probably is not long-term. Two, uh, you've hit it. Uh, there, Our commitment is we believe that doing it in person is safe at this point in time. We believe the research shows that it will continue to be safe if we do the right things. And we're committed to keeping that going. The two, there is no metric, as you're sure. There's no one measure like there was when we started this of 
cases per 100,000 and spread, um, our percentage of cases tested. The two factors I think we have to look at. We have to look at number one, is there significant spread occurring within the school building in day? Because if that happens, we have to think. And the second part is, as long as we can staff and man this, we have enough human beings, uh, professionals, staff members, class, you know, we can, we have teachers and we are here and can actually continue that service. So, you know, those are the two things we're looking at carefully right now. It's going to be a big challenge, but we're optimistic we can make it, but we would be foolish if we weren't looking at those two factors. All right. So last main uh, topic that I know a lot of people have questions about is sports. And uh, obviously in this, this crazy time that we continue to be in for almost what exactly two years now, sports feels like the, not something that's necessary, but I feel like it, it is something important to our community. Uh, I know that now uh, for the Bellevue game, we're recording this on Friday afternoon, the Bellevue basketball quad that's tonight, there's going to be limited capacity for fans. What is the district's uh, direction for how sports are going to work, how clubs, extracurriculars are going to work as well, um, meetings before and after school? So we're again, we're coming back to what's the priority is keep school running first. Then the extracurricular, right. co-curricular is functioning. And then we're going to worry about the fans last. <laughs> so uh, because this school is about you as students. Uh, to come back to it tonight, what we're doing is reducing our capacity in our gym and for all indoor, indoor performances and sports competitions for at least the next couple of weeks. And we'll keep looking at it. We'll be 25% occupancy is maximum. That is what we were using as guidance when we were pre-vaccinated. So, you know, we're dealing with, if that's the similar level of situation we're kind of looking at now with spread, we feel that that's about the right measure. Uh, with that, as a note, we are not allowing students from other schools to come. Uh, we're going to have the teams, families, they, they're gonna have a reserved list, they can come, and then we'll allow up to that maximum capacity. So, you know, about 150 students we can probably let in tonight uh, for the game, and it just depends which which venue we're talking about, but 25% is our rule moving forward. It's worth noting uh, that within our uh, King County Athletic uh, Organization, we have one of the two most restrictive pieces of that. It'll be interesting to see if if the rest of the uh, the league starts to make that shift. Uh, Seattle, I think, has actually shut down all of those all fan attendance. So we're trying to find what is a safe way to continue doing it, but allow as much participation as possible. Uh, go to the school activities dances, obviously Tolo, we believe and hope that this is short term. And so we're not canceling Tolo. We're hopefully rescheduling it. Postponement. Yeah. So we're postponing. You got the word. Uh, <laughs> postponing that hopefully till we're past this surge and we can really look at having a full and meaningful event. Uh, I know that's a, a pain to deal with and I appreciate the, uh, those that are leading that, uh, it was just a hard, it's hard to justify it on, you know, something that's not essential for school at this time. Yeah. I know my sister, she, uh, is now a sophomore in college and it was, it's funny. She was like, Oh, like I don't, ha I didn't have my high school prom or graduation. You definitely will. That was two years ago. And now we're here. <laughs> it's like, ah, like who knows? Also, one thing I will mention for those listening, um, this will be, I think this is going to be aired multiple times throughout Friday and Monday during its usual scheduled time at three. Uh, that 88.9 The Bridge is broadcasting both the girls' and boys' basketball games. So if you can't Thank make you. it, um, it will be broadcasted on the radio station. And streamed. And and streamed. That yeah. is true. All right. So finally, a, a little closing statement. I know um, that you're not 
you're not you're a humble person. You're not one to to congratulate yourself. There's a lot of people to be um, to be thankful for nurses, faculty. But you've also done a great job, kind of leading the way. And this has been a very informative um, interview so far. What is your your main message just to keep people at ease you said this is a, a surge it's a spike but with every spike there comes a downtrend so for the next few weeks what's the the best message to kind of keep people at ease uh during this this stressful and and really unknown time well that that is a huge question um thank you for the compliment the first component would be let's make sure that we're dealing with try to get it down to what are things that we know are factual and base our reason and decisions on that, not the catastrophizing of, oh my God, what could happen if, really, where are we right now? What's happening now? What's realistic? What's factual? Let's start there. The second part would be, I I think through control what you can control and don't worry about what you can't. So if, for instance, you're a student and a heart goes out to him right now, several that I know well are quarantined. And they're, they care about their grades and coming up, but you don't control whether you can come in. You know, do your best, let that roll, and, and when you come back, uh, we're going to take care of you. So the other, the last part would be you have a whole community of support. Uh, everybody from <laughs> every human being who's in this building, I think we do have a level of care for one another. And so if you're struggling, reach out and also if there are things you can't control, I just advise, you know, not to go too uh, frozen on it, but let it go. Well, maybe that could be the song of the week. Let it uh, go. Can I give you two? Can I give you <laughs> sure, two songs yeah. of the week? All right. So I was thinking there one's an upper and one's a downer. Same artist. Artist name is Patty Griffin. She's originally from Maine, lived in Austin for a long time. She is a former wife of Robert Plant, a former lead singer for Led Zeppelin, among wow. others. Uh, but one song is Heavenly Day. It's a beautiful song. She record about spending the day with her dog. Uh, and then the other is rain, which is a really down and, and tough song. So depending on where people's emotions are, those are two that kind of stood out for me today. Just hit me as authentic. All right. Well, I think, I mean, I've done interviews with a bunch of different people. I don't think I've ever paid attention more. I feel like I was, I was part of the audience this time around. And I really appreciate you uh, sitting down and kind of laying everything out on the table, making sure that everyone's caught up. And uh, I think that's really valuable and important. So thank you so much. Oh, uh, Appreciate you, and uh, just to our students, we love you, we care about you, uh, we want to make sure that you're safe and that you have a meaningful experience here at school. We're all working together on that. Thank you very much, Gabe.